Alright, hello everyone. Welcome to the 411 Ground and Pound MMA podcast. We are your last look into the... Last look? Weekly look. It's the last show of the year, okay? And if you require proof that I don't really edit these things, I'm going to leave that in. I could start over. I'm not going to. We are your weekly look into the wide, wacky, wonderful world of mixed martial arts. My name is Robert Winfrey. Thank you all very much for listening. And yes, this is the last scheduled episode of the 411 Ground and Pound podcast for the year of our Lord 2023. Uh, You all do have my word on the following. In the intervening weeks, because look, just the way this falls, I record this Sunday evening. The way this works out, not only are there no UFC events, I don't think there's any major MMA events for the rest of the year. There's some boxing, and look, man, I'll fanboy over Naoya in a way, happily, but I don't know that you feel compelled to listen to me ramble about that. So, it'll give me something to talk about on the... if the following also occur. This is my promise to all of you. There's nothing scheduled. Our next scheduled show would be... January 8th. That will be our preview for the UFC's first event of 2024. That'll be a time to catch up on stuff that has happened in the intervening couple of weeks. Because, look, next Sunday is Christmas Eve. And with respect, there's so many other things I'm going to be doing and would rather be doing than this. And I hope there's a bunch of other stuff you'd all rather do on Christmas Day than listen to me talk. So, then the week after is New Year's Eve, December 31st. And I have other stuff to do and nothing's particular to talk about. So that's why we're not doing anything until it would be the 8th, to preview the card on the 13th. That's the plan. Now, the caveat here is the following. If anything major happens, and I do mean major, I will make time somewhere in the in these, you know, couple of weeks to record something on it. Now, that won't be your typical fight announcements. I'm going to probably ignore those. I mean, we'll talk I don't need to do say anything special for them. But if anything, again, if anything crazy happens, I will find time, I will do something about it. But if it's just the usual fight announcements, fights, you know, falling out, I'm going to kind of be content to let that lie until we come back to our regularly scheduled programming. But crazy stuff happens, I will find time, you have my word on it, so... If something happens that you think is deserving of that kind of uh, of a podcast in the interim, let me know. You can find me on Twitter, X, whatever the... It's still the Twitter domain. I'm calling it Twitter. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, at Win3MMA. Give me a follow. Send things my direction. I promise you, I am a very sedate follow. If you... Sp- use that platform. I will not pollute your feed with porn or politics. And you might ask yourself, well, what else is Twitter good for? I don't know. I get, I receive, again, bits of breaking news there that I then have to confirm because you can't trust anything on Twitter, but, you know, selfie. But, yeah, my word. I'm a, I'm a sedate follow. And 
you don't even need to follow me if you just want to send me so if you want to hit me up over there and just say hey x such and such happened please do talk about it otherwise this is the last time we're going to get together for the year 2023 and we'll be back in 2024 so um, before we get into anything else let me just say thank you again to everyone for listening it's been i've talked about this before um personally this has been not the best year and I'm sure there's people out there who had it worse than me. I j- just to say, this year's kind of sucked. And I hope I'm wrong. I really do with the following sentiment. But next year is an election year, and not just here in the United States. Um, we have elections every two years here in the U.S. When I say it's an election year, it's the national election. It's the election for the presidency. And not only here in the U.S., but a shockingly high amount of uh, various democratic-based governmental systems around the world are actually all lining up for 2024 to have major elections. Now, you can call me... I, I am not a given to conspiracy theory. I am not... I like to see, I used to be a lot more pessimistic than I am. Let me phrase it that way. I'm not as pessimistic as I used to be. But I have a rough feeling about 2024. I election years are always rough in general, and they've been getting rougher pretty much my entire life. And I don't know how you out there uh, stand uh, in relation to me age-wise. Um, and I'm not going to give away my exact age. Let's just say I'm closer to 40 than 30. Yeah, we'll leave it at that. Um, and yeah, they've just, it seems like it just keeps kind of going downhill in a lot of ways. In a lot of ways, it's getting better. It's this weird, there's a, when things when certain elements of life are getting worse, while other elements of life are demonstrably getting better, you are... that That's a weird place to be, and I don't think it usually ends well. Uh, might be wrong, and to, even if it's historically true, that doesn't mean we are doomed to repeat history. As long as we can learn from it, we can avoid it, but... Eh, not to get too deep into that. That's just... If you're curious about my reasons for being slightly pessimistic about next year... Well, we all get to jump into our individual silos and lobby, lob, um, you know, metaphorical atomic bombs at each other as we scream and shout that, no, you're doing everything wrong. No, you're doing everything wrong. No, this is the end of democracy. No, you're the end of democracy. And it, it it's just, God. 2016, I laughed at it. Because I, I, you had to. 2020, I wish I could have laughed at. 2016, I understood... The problem with with 2016, nobody else seemed to want to be in on the joke. And the reality... Everybody overreacted to so much. I'm not saying Trump was a great president. And my issues with him. But everyone acted like this was it. I'm a religious individual, I'm fairly devout, and 
I, which is just to say I've been around people who are who have done the I've I'm seeing all the signs of the end times and the second coming. And I some of those people I love and respect and some I tolerate. But I've been around them and I try to love them. But I like no, sorry, I don't like I, I don't see it the way they saw it and generally speaking my way of looking at it's been proved out to this point. I do know that the end times are going to come. It's inevitable. But the left end of the political spectrum took that election as a sign of whatever their equivalent of the second coming is. Like, it's all going to end. And the problem is, if you say that enough and you act like it is going to be that way enough, it eventually becomes that way. So, I don't know. Sorry, I don't mean to do that. That's a bit too long, bit longer of a preamble than I normally do. Um, but... That's just kind of where I am at the moment. So if you could like, comment, subscribe, star rating, written review, whatever's applicable to your podcast platform of choice. Tell a friend, tell an enemy, tell a stranger, share, scream into the void that this show exists. I do. Um, that's always appreciated. Anything you can do to help the channel. Uh, I appreciate the heck out of it. And for all my pessimism, if nothing else in the professional space that I occupy with this podcast... 2023 had ups and downs, but I felt pretty good about it as it winds up. So I'm hoping to maintain some of that momentum and carry that into 2024. And I thank you all for everything you do to help in that particular area. So thank you. That's enough of my that'll be enough of my quasi purple prose until later when I do a brief reminiscence on 2023. Most of my like actual year end stuff I'm gonna save for next for next podcast, but I do want to briefly reflect on the year if you will indulge if you'll get, grant me that indulgence I thank you. But we're here to talk about the fights UFC 296. Man, this show was shaping up to be good. We talked about it. Now I don't mean that it was the best thing ever, and I've seen a lot of there's a. The amount of revisionism and how fast it breeds on again, various social media platforms, especially in the MMA space. Because the main event sucked. This is one of the worst fights of the year. I don't know where it's going to land on my list. It's going on my list. One of the worst fights of the year. But there's a lot of people who came out after, after that and have said, you guys are pretending that this was you know, a great night before that. It kind of was. Like, look, did this card live up to its promise on paper? No, we lost some fights. Um, in fact, what did we lose on this one? We lost two fights that I was looking forward to. We lost the fight between uh, Vicente Luque and Ian Machado Gary. Um, Gary dealing with um, pneumonia, I think related to the flu. Um, so he pulled out. And didn't have to deal with the bludgeoning he would have taken at that press conference. Do we want to talk about this before we get into the... Let me do this. Let me do some of the build-up here. And and the quasi-revisionism. Then I'll do a little bit of the build-up. Because I don't... My previews happen before like the media week of the event. So I don't talk about press conference stuff 90% of the time. I'm going to briefly here because I have a slight bone to pick with some people out there 
but we lost um, Luke and Gary. Look, if Gary's dealing with... Pneumonia is not something to play around with. Like, that's fluid in your lungs. It'll kill you. Normally, you get diagnosed with it before it becomes a problem. You, there's a bunch of... You deal with it, but I... I kind of... I vividly remember this, actually. Um, when I was in middle school, this would have been... Seventh grade. Um... Or sixth. Sixth or seventh. My school... My school career was divided weirdly. It was like K through five, then six and seven, then eight and nine, then 10, 11, and 12. This would have been six or seven. Um, and a classmate of mine got pneumonia and he was out for like weeks. Young, fairly healthy guy. And he was out for, I mean, this is a kid, like, but it'll knock you down, man. It kill again, it kills people. So I don't expect Ian Gary to suffer any long-term health consequences, but you don't take that lightly. So then we also lost, um, Randy Brown and Muslim Salikov. Um, Randy Brown had some kind of an illness. He pulled out. I'm kind of sad. They didn't put Vicente Luque and Muslim Salikov together. Would have been a good fight, but for whatever reason, they didn't. Um, so we lost a couple of fights. Uh, some of the, again, some of those were weak of. So as a result, Josh Emmett and Bryce Mitchell got bumped from main eventing the prelims to opening the pay-per-view card. Get to that fight in a minute. Um, but that, that, that kind of set the stage for this. We lost a couple of fights, but we had a... Again, main event sucked. Details to come. Prior to that, like, was it depressing watching Tony Ferguson and Patty Pimblett? A little bit. Especially if you're like me and you watched when he was the boogeyman. I watched his entire... Not entire... I watched his entire UFC career. And I covered the vast majority of it. I hold a deep respect and affection for Tony Ferguson. And watching that fight, yeah, it was depressing. Was Shavkat Rachmanov and Steven Thompson fireworks? No, and turns out there was a pretty good reason for that, but and we'll get to it. But it was good. Then we had what on any other, on almost any other card would have reasonably been fight of the night, your co-main event. But there was an absolute war on the prelims. And then we had like the lamest main event. Maybe all year. Because... Um, um, yeah, Carlos Barza and Rosnama Yunus 2 was... I'm pretty sure that was last year, because it went on my list for that. This was up there. Like, we've seen one-sided fights this year. Um, like Amanda Nunes and Irene Aldana was nothing to write home about. And Aldana had just nothing to offer. But... This was, yeah, this was one of the lamest pay-per-view main events, certainly. One of the lamest title fights in recent memory. It wasn't good. I'm not going to pretend otherwise. But I'm not going to do this. No, the whole event sucked before this nonsense. That's not true. So let's get to the build for this real fast, because Colby Covington was just naturally going to say heinous stuff. It's what he does. 
And it's what he did here. Here's my... So, he fumbled the line because Colby is an overly rehearsed persona and then winds up flubbing the lines that he's rehearsed when he gets... when, when it's time to deliver them. And he... Yeah, he flubbed... He told Leon Edwards, basically, you know, I'm going to send you to the seventh circle of hell to see your dead dad. Because if you don't know, Leon Edwards' father was murdered when he was, I think, 12, 12 or 13. Forgive me, I don't remember exactly, but one of those two. And Leon Edwards was understandably pissed about this. He threw a bottle at Covington's head and hit him and got worked up. Um, and this naturally two responses to this, neither of which I'm a big fan of. On the one hand, you had a bunch of people pretending this is great trash talk, it's not, and doing the, well, you know, his father was, there was some suspect stuff going on there. Who's to say Leon's not, that Covington's assessment isn't accurate? And to that I say, you hubristic jackass. I don't know your eternal destination. No one does. You know who de- the only people who get to decide that are God the Father and Jesus Christ. And I apologize if this is like bordering on preaching here. I try not to do that. That and if you don't believe what I believe, fair enough. I'm believe whatever you want to believe. I'm giving you my perspective. But that's who gets to judge us when it's all said and done. That's that's it. And I don't get to judge you or anybody else. I didn't pay for that. But frankly, I can't... I couldn't handle the weight of my own physical ailments and mental anguish and sins piled on me at once, much less anyone else's. So, no, I, I don't know. Neither do you. And pretending to know the mind of God like that ends badly for people, generally speaking. I don't know. I know what behavior I consider sinful and what behavior I don't, but I don't know what what anyone is doing with their time in the afterlife before final judgment. And I don't put limitations on what can happen there. I don't know if Leon Edwards' father was the best guy in the world before his passing, nor do I think that's the sum total of his eternal existence. Because, hey, my perspective. So, all of you people, like, no. Just no. Then there's the other side of this, and you people, maybe I'm too jaded. Uh, let Let me posit that. Maybe I'm too jaded, I'm too deadened to all of this crap, there was a sub there was a segment of people frequently media members and I'm not here to bash on MMA media I'm technically one of them I'm only going to say the following about it and this is why I have to bring it up there's a number of people out there who went this is gross it is and boy am I ashamed to be a, like borderline boy am I ashamed to be a part of this I understand that impulse but there was just a lot of, like, this is my perception. If I'm wrong about this, I apologize. I 
I have to do a little bit of like reading in you have to apply some intent and some tone to anything you just read and hopefully it's informed so I'm not trying to say that everyone who said who came out and did a condemnation of a terrible thing that a human being said to another human being is I'm not going to call them soft I'm not going to call them I'm not going to overly demean them I'm going to say I saw something approximating hand-wringing. Maybe hand-wringing is the wrong word, but it, the wrong phrase, but it should convey the sentiment. I saw a lot of people doing the, well, are we really going to be party to this? And to which I say, yes. Maybe this was a bit too far for you personally, but allow me to submit the following. Mike Tyson threatened to eat Lennox Lewis's children. Mike Tyson said he was going to... I apologize if this word offends anyone, and mostly I say that because I'm... It's a word that for some reason gets censored a lot, and I I understand trying to be sensitive about it, but eh, this is one of those things where I think we might be overstepping. But he threatened to rape someone until they loved him. Ricardo Mayorga threatened to drink the breast milk of Oscar De La Hoya's wife. There have been numerous death threats. There have been horrible racial things said across all kinds of lines. Anytime that gets brought up, everyone assumes it's a white guy insulting like a black guy. Now that has certainly happened in the long, sad, tragic history of combat sports. But you... (laughs) Dude, if you want to see the terrible things that get said, feel free to look up the long history of acrimony between Mexican fighters and Puerto Rican fighters. They say horrible things to each other, or have in the past. We can go a lot of different ways with this. My stance on this is kind of the following. There's a line... And it gets crossed all the time. And this is kind of binary. You're either over the line or you're not. And once you're over the line, you wind up ranking everything that gets said over the line according to personal preference. There's no st- there's no objective standard for, like, good taste after you cross that line. Was Colby Covington over the line? Yes! insulting a man's murdered father and intimating that he's in hell or stating that he's in hell, not just intimating it. Yeah, that that's, you know, not something that you do. But, again, I've heard so much in these build-ups to fights, MMA, boxing, kickboxing, wherever, and you know the other reason I think I'm kind of a nerd to this? Um, I blame professional wrestling. That might sound really weird, but hear me out. There is not a single line of bad taste that professional wrestling has not crossed. And if you, whatever you think that line might be, I guarantee you, if you go deep enough into the independent scene, you'll find someone that has crossed it. 
So, and I understand this is, it's closer to reality than professional wrestling. But, I mean, count up, look at the number of times that fighters say terrible things to each other, get heated, and then after the fight are buddy-buddy because we're engaged in this, there's implicit collusion going on to sell the fight. Now, do I think that, look, did Leon Edwards take this very personally, and was this, you know, significantly more serious than some of the other stuff that's kind of like, you know, wink-wink, nudge-nudge? Yes. I don't pretend otherwise. But I don't... I... The number of people this year, 2023 in particular, has kind of shed a light on this, who have not realized that they've been, like, wading up to their knees in filth and only now start to realize it is pretty shocking to me. Like, there's a lot of people who are only now waking up, looking around, and realizing where they are. I'm not up in arms over what Colby said, is kind of the long and the short of this for me personally. I'd rather he not say that. I think it was gross unequivocally gross. I don't think the UFC should fine him or censure him or anything. They can't. He's not an employee. I'm not I'm not calling for any of that. I'm just saying, yeah, it's gross. It's a stupid thing. You shouldn't say it. But the number of people who were a little bit, again, very critical of Colby Covington for saying this, and I'm not saying you're wrong to be critical of him, who then turned around, because we also had the uh, like one of the early press conferences for, that'd be the only one, actually, for 290, was it 297? Um, I'm pretty sure, hang on, let me double check that. Yeah, this would have been for 297. I think they did it all. Like, they had a bunch of the champions up there for, like, the next three major pay-per-views. So they had, you know, Strickland and Duplessis. You had Sean O'Malley and Cheeto Vera. I think you had Vol... You didn't have Taporia, I don't think, but Volkanovski was there. So just one of those, like, general kind of press conferences for the next set of fights. And to the shock of no one, Sean Strickland came out and... Not, not afraid to throw some barbs, Sean Strickland... Uh, but he and Drickus Duplessis got into a little bit of a back and forth, and DDP mentioned something to the effect of, I'm going to beat you like your father used to. And here's the thing about this. The abuse that Sean Strickland suffered as a child is not funny. But there were a lot of people who turned around and did the see this is what you this is how you do good trash talk this got into Sean this got under Sean's skin and blah 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 congratulations to all of you idiots you've told on yourselves that, that's all you've done all you've done is admit I don't like I, I don't like Colby consequently I don't like what he said and I'm gonna be high and mighty about it I don't like Sean Strickland, so I don't care when someone says something terrible to him. That's all you've admitted. Look, man, I might be overly jaded. Maybe I should feel stronger about fighters saying terrible things to each other. I'm at least consistent. 
So, referencing a murdered father, it's gross. Threatening sexual assault, it's gross. Wanting to claim you to can, want to cannibalize another hum, another man's children, that's super gross. Any number of things, again, Ricardo Mayorga was kind of king of these just horrible things he would say to people, especially Oscar, but not limited to him. Gross. Conor McGregor calling Khabib's wife a goat, a barnyard animal, and insulting the entire religion of Islam, among other things. Gross. I don't know what you're expecting. So, pay, feel free to go back and look, unless people delete a bunch of stuff. The num- Anyone who said anything negative about what Covington said, and then had an opposite reaction to what DDP said, is almost someone you can't take seriously in this space, because they're unaware of their hypocrisy. I'm not a fan of either. I'm I'm really not. Like child abuse is a horrible thing. So DDP bringing that up is yeah, it ugh, it's gross. Look, I'll I'll do something similar like Sean Strickland saying to Sean O'Malley, at least I don't let other dudes sleep with my wife. Um Yeah, that's a little gross. Not going to lie. So is letting other people sleep with your wife, but we're, we've again, we've just passed the line, right? We've hit gross. There's no point in trying... I, I don't see a lot of point in trying to differentiate, well, which was grosser. It's all gross. And again, look, people don't like Colby Covington, and I don't blame them. He's not a likable human being in terms of his presentation. And he came out spraying the block. He... Let me give him credit for the funniest thing he said. And I didn't think it was all that funny, but I'm willing to bend my perspective here to the audience because there's a lot of there was a lot of talk over the last couple of weeks about Ian Gary and his living situation and speculation about his, the nature of his relationship with his wife, none of which I care about. But he came out and said, so wait a minute, everybody here in the audience who slept with Ian Gary's wife. And that got a laugh. And look, I don't find that funny, but it seemed lighthearted enough because it's a ridiculous... Like, this is the other thing about that. If you want to say something that is insulting and gross, making it ridiculous is a way to take the edge off. So him saying, hey, here's a random sampling of, you know, how many people at this press conference, who's, who's done that? It's still stupid, it's still gross, and I'd rather it not be said, but it got a bit of a laugh. And I'll admit, so I will temper that one, but, you know, he said, what was the other thing he said? Like, he accused Stephen Thompson's father of being a pedophile? So, not a serious, okay, it was, I remember this now, it was it, it was sort of circuitous, it he insulted Stephen Thompson and mentioned he was, you know, driving kids around in Ray Thompson's pedo bus, I believe was something to the line. So for those of you who don't know, Stephen Thompson uh, and his father, and their, he's got a brother. Um, they run a very successful karate and MMA gym in South Carolina called Upstate Karate. 
You can see this on Stephen Thompson's YouTube channel or any number of the people who he collaborates with on occasion. Wonderful facility. And he they run an after-school program, and depending on, I think, the time of year and who's willing to be involved, like they bought an old... It's not an old school bus. It's one of those nicer, like, assisted living transport facility kind of buses. But they bought one, repainted it so it says Upstate Karate, you know, Upstate Karate After School Program on the side of it, and they'll drive around and pick up kids to go to the After School Karate Program. That's actually kind of cool. It's a good thing to do for your community. And here's, you know, again, Colby Covington saying gross things. So, again, it's all gross. I'd rather none of it be said, but some people and where they draw certain lines and more importantly than where they draw them, who they draw them around is a little bit telling. And frankly, a lot of you people are just as gross in that respect. So there was all that. But that leads into the disappointing main event because it got heated. So when I tell you that Leon Edwards wins the fight via unanimous decision, 49-46 across the boards, I don't know that that conveys adequately how terrible this fight was. Um, Covington wins only the fifth round. And that, not by a big margin. This was a very controlled, very disciplined Leon Edwards. I give him all the credit in the world for managing his emotions, getting them under control, and fighting his normal fight. Which is not very exciting, as a generally. I say this with respect. Leon Edwards is a phenomenal, phenomenal fighter. If you could name me anything about any of his fights that isn't the Leon Edwards, uh, that isn't his head kick win over Kamaru Usman, I will be impressed. Because... He, he does not have very memorable, very exciting, fan-friendly fights. If you're a technique nerd, there's a lot that he does that's interesting. And I am a technique nerd, so I, I, give him his, I absolutely give him his respect as maybe the best welterweight in the world. He is the deserving champion. That is beyond doubt. But this is more typical of a Leon Edwards fight. He did a lot of clinch breaking with elbows. Best thing he does. He always throws something when you break a clinch. Blocking takedowns. Sniping a little bit at range with leg kicks and some one-twos. Some body kicks. A lot of front kicks or um, almost, again, my discipline refers to them as inverted roundhouse kicks. Because it's, it's not a straight front kick, not straight ahead, but a roundhouse kick kind of goes with the hip. If you invert that, that's a little bit what we got here. We're stabbing those up into the body. That for four rounds. Um, he threatened a nice ninja choke at one point when Covington tried to get in on a takedown. Took Colby down at one point. Got out-wrestled by him, but was willing to engage in that space a little bit. Um, fifth round, he does get another takedown. He gets the back briefly, goes for a reverse triangle. So we inverted. No, inverter would be the other way. Sort of, when you get a triangle choke when you're on someone's back, it's more reverse because the position is reverse, but not inverted because that's kind of what Tony, uh, Tony Amada hit. Uh, Hori Masvidal with back in the day, if you need an example. Um, but switches towards maybe a triangle armbar, but loses it. Covington spends the last, like, 
half of the round on top, landing okay-ish ground and pound. Edwards content to just like, all right, I'm on bottom. I'm not in any danger of being finished. Colby Covington's not a finisher. If I lose the last round, I lose the last round. I don't care. I won the other four. And that's how that went. Not a good fight. Um, so, I don't. I'll get to where we go from here in a second. But you know, Edwards got a win, retained his title, and yeah, Covington. After the fact, he got cheered when he made his entrance. Giving his post-fight speech, he got booed. Didn't matter what he said. Did not matter one bit whether he was praising first responders or the military or Donald Trump. All of which he did. He got booed pretty much out of the building. Um, Saying after the fact, you know, I thought I won the fight. Ridiculous. He did the... In trying to say that he didn't take a lot of damage, he said, I don't have a scratch on me. Well, visibly scratched on the face. Demonstrably untrue. Um, a very atypical performance from Covington. I, I don't pretend that he's some kind of action hero, but he didn't do almost anything. And some of that's on Leon Edwards. Some of that is Leon Edwards having this wonderful ability to make people fight the way he wants to fight. I think Colby Covington came into this fight averaging almost five um significant strikes a minute landed some stupid number like that's stupidly high and this fight he got like one and a half so there's a good bit of leon edwards's ability to manage a fight like that too volkanovsky does the same thing like look at max holloway's numbers any fight other than volkanovsky they're through the roof when he fights Volkanovski, something about the way Volkanovski fights depresses his output. Makes And Volkanovski doesn't just do this to Max. I bring up Max because he is the gold standard of this. But he did it to Korean Zombie. He did it to Brian Ortega. He did it to Yair Rodriguez. He even kind of did it to Islam Makashev. That first fight, that's kind of more Volk's pace as a fight than how Makashev prefers to fight. Makachev was just good enough to have won that fight anyway. Uh, Leon Edwards in that same that same kind of spiritual school. Like, I don't care what you do. You're going to fight at my pace. And breaking him out of that is very difficult. But Covington didn't have a lot of takedown attempts. He didn't have a high volume. He didn't go forward all that much. He fought like a guy who was injured, to be honest. Like, there was some kind of an injury. And he came into the fight anyway and was just going to do his best. But... Um, not, not a good, not a good performance. He's now 0-3 in undisputed title fights. That is a record. No one else has lost. No one else has gone 0-3 in undisputed UFC title fights. There might be other people who have lost three, but I bet they'd won, they won at least one somewhere in that stretch. Um, yeah, because BJ Penn's lost three title fights. He'd have lost like four title fights because he lost one with Hughes, one with George St. Pierre, then lost his title to Frankie Edgar, then lost the immediate rematch. BJ Penn's on some weird records. Um, he's been on my mind because I've been thinking about Tony Ferguson too, so we'll get to that. 
Um, yeah. As for what's next, there's two options at welterweight, and pretty much only two. One of them is the most deserving. One of them is deserving and more exciting, but probably on the shelf. So the two options from where I sit are Bilal Muhammad and Shavkat Rachmanov. Now, Leon Edwards is dismissive of Bilal Muhammad. They fought to a no contest. This was Leon Edwards' big fight back after dealing with COVID. And the strange... If you'll all recall, the last... of The UFC held that event in Brazil in front of no crowd when COVID was first breaking out. The first fight... The, the next event they were supposed to hold after that was Tyron Woodley versus Leon Edwards in England. I forget exactly where. But that was going to be his big moment. And then, you know, things shut down. And it sucked. And then he got a pretty bad case of COVID. His big comeback was against Bilal Muhammad. And in that first round, he beat the crap out of Bilal Muhammad. It's not a competitive first round. Second round, there's an eye poke. Unfortunate, but real. Bilal Muhammad cannot continue. No contest. Really unfortunate. I'm not saying that another fight between them goes that same way. I'm really not. I am saying that there's been a bit of revision there. They're like, hey, Bilal Muhammad had some success there. No, he didn't. Go back. Rewatch the fight. It's like five and a half minutes. Because that foul occurs very early in the second round. It is It is not that close. Would it be different now? Of course it would. Because Bilal Muhammad is not the same guy he was then. He's a good fighter. He's a very good fighter. But Edwards is dismissive of that, and Shavkat Rachmanov has an injury. We'll get to that in a minute. I don't know exactly what's gonna what Leon Edwards is angling for here. He was very non-committal. Again, he kind of dismissed Bilal. He didn't get all excited about anyone else at welterweight. He might be trying to angle for like Islam Makashev to come up and fight him. Or he might be saying, hey, I'll go up to 185 and try to be a double champion. Can I just tell you all, I am beyond tired of champ, like double champion status and champion champion fights. Volkanovski, his first fight with Makashev, I understood it. He basically cleared out featherweight. And you had some contenders rising, but you weren't really screwing anyone over by having that bump up. And you still didn't quite have a clear-cut guy at lightweight. You could Oliveira, the way that first fight went, was not going to get an immediate rematch. He needed a, a win between title shots, between title fights. And other than that, you had a weird kind of soup there. You had some guys who were in the vicinity, but... You know, that, and we ultimately got what we got. Oliveira got a win over Benil Dariush, and then Justin Gaethje complicated things by head-kicking Dustin Poirier. But you were at a brief lull in lightweight, and you had a guy at featherweight who wanted, who had done a lot of solids for the UFC and wanted a shot, so they made it. It was a good fight. One of the best fights of the year. But... And I'm not even mad at the rematch because Volkanovski took that on like a week's notice. And that, again, it's unfortunate. But at, at that point, it was not the UFC trying to make that happen. It just kind of 
fell in their laps that way. But they hold up divisions, they screw over contenders, they're they're kind of passe, if I'm being honest. Moreover, Leon Edwards, my man, you have two title defenses. You have a long winning streak, and you are an exceptional fighter, one of the best. You have two title defenses. You have a guy who deserves it in Bilal Muhammad. I know you fought him already. I know you may not be excited about it, but you have a deserving contender. At least one, if not two. Moreover, middleweight. Sean Strickland just became champion, has a title shot uh, scheduled. I wasn't there. Didn't Sean Strickland and Leon Edwards fight at welterweight? Isn't that kind of what's going on here? Let me check. Um, no. Who was it? It was Usman. It's Kamar Usman who's saying I'm gonna move up and beat Sean Strickland because I've already beaten him, and he's not the same guy. You might, I might, he might still have a good chance up at middleweight, but um, that's not a gimme. So you got Strickland, who's a new champion, trying to defend the belt once in a fight that he's going to be up against it quite candidly. Uh, I mean, when I do the full preview for UFC 297, that's when I'll talk about Sean Strickland and Drickus Duplessis, but suffice to say, that's not an easy fight. Even when they fought in the crowd, it wasn't easy. But... Middleweight's not in a position where there should be talk of a champ-champ fight. Welterweight's not in a position where there should be talk of a champ-champ fight. Don't care who. Don't care if Leon's moving up or welcoming a lightweight. No. Don't care. Stop this nonsense. This is getting ridiculous. And I think the market is starting to agree with me on that. So, I don't know exactly what's next, but... Leon Edwards is still your champion... I would like his chances against Bilal Muhammad. That's a stylistic thing, not a Bilal sucks thing. Um, as for Covington, he called out Stephen Thompson after the fact. Dude, Colby Covington is 35. Stephen Thompson is 40. I don't know. I'm not very interested in that. I, I'm not in. I look, man. I like Stephen Thompson. Good guy by all accounts. Great YouTube channel. Uh, useful uh, if you train at all. Give him a follow. He does great technical stuff. Again, I, I don't really want to see him fight Covington at this point. I don't know why you would be doing it. Um, so, I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. It's... Uh, the malaise of the year really hit in that last fight and everything afterwards. So, that was your main event. Fight sucked. Um, Co-main event did not suck. Alessandre Pantoja defeats Brandon Royval via unanimous decision. 250-45s and a 49-46. Live, I was 59-45. On reflection, I think I got... Um, okay, the third and the fifth are rounds that could conceivably go to Royval. I want to say the third probably should have gone his way. I think I got that one wrong. But those rounds are also... They're close enough that I think you can make the argument for Pantoja. So I'm not up in arms over 50-45. 
All I'm saying is this was closer than that would let you know. Um, Pantoja starts the fight bat out of hell. He's landing body kicks. He's forcing takedowns. Royval is trying to scramble with him. Ultimately, two things played out here. One, someone else will be able to take advantage of this. Royval couldn't, but someone else might. Pantoja, he sets a pace that he can't keep. He slowed in the uh, that wonderful fight he had with Brandon Moreno this year. Also, maybe fight of the year. I'm not sure where that's going to land for me ultimately, but definitely one of. Uh, definitely one of the, like, three best fights all year. Incredible fight. He slowed in that fight. Now, he gutted through it, but he slowed. Similar here. He was pretty slowed in that fifth round. And Royville was starting to land on him, putting a pace on him, and then he was able to force some takedowns and ultimately ride it out. Uh... But that's something to pay attention to. Other thing about Pantoja, um, that dude will just... He has reserves, man. They are in him, and he can draw on them when he needs to. Because even tired, even not really wanting to be there anymore, he made stuff happen. He was able to make stuff happen because... They mentioned this stat on the broadcast... Brandon Royville came into this fight with a takedown defensive rate of only like 37%, 35, 37, something like that. You cannot beat Alexandre Pantoja if he can take you down that consistently. It, you can't do it. If your takedown defense is that... Uh, it's that poor. That's that's just what it... like Statistically, that's poor. doesn't mean you're a terrible fighter, but... You can't beat him that way. And that played out here was a real problem, especially, Dean Thomas noted this, especially when Pantoja got to half guard. Royville was not very adept at either regarding relative to Pantoja or um, getting up. He was not he was not really there for that position. And Pantoja got him there, held him there for long stretches, and he didn't, like, beat him up, beat him up, but did enough. Uh, some nice back work from from Pantoja in the fourth. Uh, and I give Royville credit for being game, man. He was the fresher fighter in that fifth round, clearly. Um, but he just couldn't really marshal his skills. He couldn't stop Pantoja from doing what Pantoja wanted to do until the first half or so of the fifth. And it just, it was a problem. It was a real problem for him. Um, next for Pantoja, probably the winner of an upcoming fight between Brandon Moreno and, Marie, and uh, Amir Albazi. I am completely down for Moreno-Pantoja too, by the way. Uh, Moreno could get that back, but Amir Albazi is no chump. So looking forward to that fight in particular. That's probably going to crown your number one contender. But flyweight is... It's a pretty good division right now. Pretty healthy. There's some up-and-comers in that weight class, man. Uh, we've seen them start to take hold. There are some guys on the come-up that... You're going to want to... They're not... Maybe not 2024, but 2025, 2026. Flyweight's pretty well set up for the future. Assuming no, like, catastrophic injuries to some of the younger talent.
Really good co-main event. Again, really good fight. Would have been fight of the night if not for, I'll say it specifically, Aldana and Hosa, which who thought that was going to turn into a blood and guts war, but boy did it. Anyway, next up, I already mentioned it, uh, Shavkat Rachmanov defeats Stephen Thompson. Submission, 456 of the second. So, a pretty lackluster first round, if we're being honest. Um, Shavkat, no kicks, moves forward, feints some punches, gets into the clinch, spends a lot of the round there. Lands some body shots, has a nice little uppercut flurry, actually, as well. Wins the round. Not a great round. Second round, gets things against the fence, finally gets a takedown. Um, has this really tricky transition, actually. Thompson is trying to wall walk. Uh, Shavkat has his legs kind of gathered up in his left arm. And Thompson is, because they're on Thompson's left, so Thompson's posting on his right arm, trying to get stuff free, start his wall walk, get free. And Shavkat reaches behind the back, um, grabs Thompson's right arm, strips the post, and basically handcuffs. He's got him in a hammerlock, basically, is what he's got. You know, we, we jokingly call it the Dagestani handcuff when you get the arm behind them and then you start punching because of Khabib. But he basically hammerlocks him. Uses that and how Thompson has to move to defend to get the back. Gets the choke. Um, really slick stuff from Rachmanov. Um, this is the first time Thompson has ever been submitted. I think the only other time previously he's been stopped was um, Pettis with that weird Superman punch that knocked him out, right? Lost a lot of decisions to Stephen Thompson, but... We'll check that, because, yeah, Muhammad and Burns were decisions and Pettis with the knockout. Yeah, that was it. Um, so... Heck of a win for Rachmanov. Um, to explain the weird perform, like the weird first round. Uh, this is uh, Laura Sanko talked about this after she's released this like story. So, but apparently Shavkat Rachmanov tore his ankle up pretty badly six weeks ago. Um, and needed sur- like needs surgery, but didn't pull out of the fight. Just went with what he had. If you're out there on, and that's why he didn't kick, if you're out there on, like, one good leg, submitting Steven Thompson, still some issues for Rachmanov. Um, he didn't walk into fire the same way he did against Jeff Neal. But he did get clipped closing distance. Some of that is because Steven Thompson still has excellent timing. But... Um, that man's going to fight for the belt sooner rather than later. And frankly, I like his chances to win it. Um, he's just really, really good. And uh, I, I've been on the... I told you guys, I've been on the Shavkat train for a little bit. He's really good. 18-0, and 0, 18 finishes. Nobody's gone the distance with him. Uh, Jeff Yeel got into the third. But... Man, that is that is a that man's a problem for that division. I tend to think he will be champion. So, uh, good win for him. Got us wait to see what happens with the injury now that he can get it surgically repaired. What the recovery timeline is. 
His next fight will either be for the belt or a clear-cut number one contender's fight. We'll have to say, but um, really, again, really good stuff from him. So hats off to him. Rachmanov's good. Appreciate Stephen Thompson. He's probably still got a few more good fights in him, but he's at the point when he's just having, like, fun fights. He did finally get walked to the ring by um, Tenacious D, so Jack Black and uh, the other guy whose name escapes me. Because he always comes out to their song, Wonder Boy. Um, and he got to come out with them. Uh, they walked in, Again, they walked to the ring. They were sort of in his corner. Um, so, fun stuff. Again, give the guy a few more fun fights. He's 40. He's probably not much long for the divi- for the sport. Let him get a few more fun fights. Um, yeah, that's kind of my take on that. So, good win for Rachmanov. Not the best performance, but... Dude, you do that with a torn-up ankle? Go through a whole camp with that torn-up ankle? Like, my hat's off to the guy. Um, Your depressing fight of the evening, Pat... Look, I've seen, again, the, like, apologist for this fight. Patty Pemblett defeats Tony Ferguson via unanimous decision 30-27. Little surprised there were no 10-8s in the first. I didn't quite go that way, but you could have. Um, here's the thing about this one. Someone who was a pretty good fighter would have finished Tony in the first round. He got dropped, and then Patty just couldn't quite close the show. Um, then the next rounds, like Patty doesn't really want to fight Tony, so he gets takedowns and just works on top for the majority of those rounds. Dude, he was gassed in that third round. Now some of that might have been a nose issue because Tony hit him in the nose and it was bleeding. That can affect it, but he stopped moving in that third round the way you normally do. Like, he put himself on the fence. He was like, all right, come on. Tony had some body work, I'm sure, didn't help. So, again, I've seen the apologists, but no. Um, Tony is, again, man, I have tons of respect for him. His run up, like, when he was on his best, he was, oh, he was so special. He was so special. But he hadn't been that guy for a while, man. He came back too soon from knee injury. You could even see that in some of his wins, right? Because he had the knee injury, lost the Khabib fight. Um, came back, got a couple of wins. Uh, I think both the Pettis and Cerrone wins were after that. You could see he wasn't the same guy. Still got wins, but... Slowed. Um, different decision making. And then it needs to be said again. That beating he took from Justin Gagey changed him. Uh, that's just, just, I think that's just true at this point. So. No, he didn't get stopped. Okay. But. Patty Pimblett's defensive liabilities are still enormous. And and Tony's game I don't know if this is a more I'd have to go back and watch some of his earlier stuff. I recall him just being more 
he put more of an emphasis on regaining his feet. He was always willing to just, like, throw stuff off of his back. But normally, there was a time when you needed to actually have good top control to keep him down. Pimblet's top control isn't exactly world-class. And Tony just couldn't muster whatever he needed to get up. That's like a fault of... That might be a physical fault, might be a mental lapse, might be like a strategic lapse. I don't know, but... Um, very, very poor decision-making there. So, look, Pimblet's defensive issues are still there, still very obvious, and... Someone who's not in the position that Tony Ferguson is is going to make him pay. And, dude, if that, if this fight gassed him out like that, that's going to be a real problem for him. Maybe he learns from it, but still problems. And I'm still not, like, optimistic about Tony. He, if he was going to start something, it was here. There's so many issues with Pimblet, skill-wise, that if he couldn't if he couldn't get it going here, who can he get it going against? I don't I don't know what we're doing anymore. He now is tied. He had he is tied for the longest winning streak in lightweight history. He's tied with um, Khabib and Makashev. And I think it's like 11. Ridiculous stat. And he turned in some of the best fights and best performances you'll see on that run. Ugh. If you're if you're a fan who did not watch Tony Ferguson's big rise, his big run, go back and watch it, man. Go back and watch it. It was amazing. He's now tied with BJ Penn for the longest losing streak in UFC history at seven. Dana White afterwards said, yeah, I'd like to see him retire, as though you couldn't cut him. You won't. Because of course you won't. You don't want someone else profiting off of his name when, he's still, when he was just featured on a UFC pay-per-view. But, I don't know. Again, this just depressed me. So much. Not a very great fight either. It wasn't bad, but it wasn't much. And kicking off the main card, good grief. Josh Emmett, underdog in this fight for reasons that I didn't get. I didn't get that. I said I picked him to. You know, I'm not gonna pat myself on the back too much for doing for making good picks for this card because you know. Some of them were fairly easy to pick. Um, other, others, not as much. And I didn't go perfect on the evening or something, but... Um, the odds of going with Bryce Mitchell when he stepped in on short notice for this one... Like, I get that Emmett's, you know, 40 and had a couple of tough losses. And I didn't think he won the cater fight. But... He's, I and I would have picked Giga Chikadze to beat him. I might have been wrong about that, but that's where my pick would have been for that fight. But against Bryce Mitchell on short notice, like, dude, Josh Emmett is maybe the hardest puncher this division's ever seen. And he's a good wrestler, so, like, 
That's a bad matchup for Bryce Mitchell stylistically. And sure enough, 157 to the first, Josh Emmett gets close, lands a right hand that unfortunately Mitchell was kind of leaning into, and boom. One of the best knockouts all year, one of the scariest knockouts all year. Dude, he hit Bryce Mitchell so hard. Bryce Mitchell dropped instantly into the fetal position. And not because he was covering up. Because when your off button gets hit, that's where you go. And then, like, had a mini seizure. You could see him convulsing, went into convulsions. That's how hard Josh Emmett hit him. If I may say this humorously... Josh Emmett hit Bryce Mitchell so hard, Bryce Mitchell realized the earth is in, is a, is round instead of flat. It's not perfectly spherical. It's a pear-shaped... It's technically in like, like a pear-shaped ovoid sphere. I forget the exact terminology, forgive me, but... Yeah, just... Oh. Man, one of the just... One of the most brutal knockouts all year. I don't know where this is going to rank relative to something as important as like um, Adesanya knocking out Alex Pereira or Justin Gaethje's head kick over Dustin Poirier. But this is one of the five best knockouts all year. I don't know exactly where it lands, but I'm going to figure that out over the next couple of weeks. Uh, brutal knockout. Oh, man. I don't think Josh Emmett has a real shot at the belt, whether that's Volkanovski or Taporia or whoever. He's he just kind of passed it that in that way, but that old warhorse still has some fight. Um, do not underestimate him. Yeah, he yeah he he got submitted by Yair Rodriguez. He gave Yair the business in parts of that too, but Yair just too dynamic, too crazy for him. And yeah, he couldn't get by Ilya Teporia. No one at featherweight has so far. Let me double check that on Teporia. I think he's unbeaten. If he's got a loss, it was up at lightweight. No, he's undefeated. So yeah, no one's gotten by him. And yeah, okay. And he, again... Rodriguez did some damage to him, and Taporia definitely put kind of a beating on him in different points. No doubt about it. And Calvin Cater did a number on him. And I get, he gave, dude, he gave Cater some damage too, though. I thought Cater won that, but... And not to overuse a cliche, but this was kind of y'all must have forgot. Josh Emmett is no one to trifle with. No, good win for him. Scary knockout, man. Scary. That was your main card. Disappointing main event that kind of cast a pall over the rest of it. That, If you take away the depressing element of Pimblet and Ferguson, it wasn't, again, it wasn't an awful fight. And Rachmanov, not the best first round, but still interesting once things got going. Uh, yeah, again, prelims, um, Alonzo Menafield defeated Dustin Jacoby via unanimous decision, 29-28 across the boards. Um, Jacoby was having a lot of success, then Menafield 
Uh, get him in the second? Yeah, Jacoby takes the first. Menafield still struggling a little bit, but drops him in the second. And Jacoby gets back up, gets back to work, and is... Might have been the first. I can't remember, forgive me. But Jacoby's basically winning, and then gets dropped. Gets up, gets back to work, resumes winning, and is winning the third round before he gets dropped. Um, unfortunate for Jacoby, he was doing good work, but... Uh, Manifield just has serious power, and was able to find enough to earn the win. Uh, your fight of the night, and one of the fights of the year, good grief, Irene Aldana, who we all kind of criticized, not unfairly, There, I'm not saying everyone was fair to her, but criticizing her performance against Amanda Nunes was not unfair. She turned in one of the, like, one of the, truly notable lame duck challenger offerings of all time. Some of that's just Amanda Nunes being Amanda Nunes. But even with that consideration, like, she didn't have much for that fight. She tried to redeem herself here reputationally, if nothing else, and Carol Hosa was game. Gave Carol Hosa the first. She chewed up Aldana's leg. Calf kicks, inside leg kicks to the thigh, just battered it. Punched her in the face a lot, but Aldana just, all right, we're going forward. Starts putting on pressure in the second, starts landing more, lands some combinations, got some knees in the clinch. Wins the second, and the third is kind of a dogfight. Both women went to the hospital. Aldana's leg was a mess. Hosa's left eye was a mess. Both of them are bleeding. Look this fight up if you didn't watch it. My hat's off to both ladies. Neither of them were paid what they were deserved for this performance. This was not a $50,000 fight. This was a like this was a million-dollar fight. Might be slightly exaggerated, but this was like this was 100 grand, 250 grand probably effort from both women. Incredible, incredible fight. Shame that they're paid so poorly. Uh, bantamweight Cody Garbrandt got, uh, continued sort of his comeback here and knocked out Brian Kelleher in the first round, 342 of it. Kelleher had some success with calf kicks. That's going to be a problem for Garbrandt, I think. He did not handle those well, and his leg was hurt by the end of this. But he still got power, eventually uh, timed a right hand, wobbled Kelleher, was able to follow up and drop him. Um... Again, the Garbrandt kind of rehab tour seems to be rolling on. He's with the new team now. Um, I've said this in the past. Like, you will. I don't know that you can find a better six-round stretch than Cody Garbrandt's five rounds with Dominic Cruz to win the belt and then his first round against TJ Dillashaw. That's one of the more remarkable, again, like six rounds of any MMA fighter you'll ever pull out. And then it all fell apart. Um, but seems to be trying to rehab it. Um, as long as he takes that slow and steady, he's... He's 32. He's only 32. So he doesn't need to rush. Um, he, he's trying to get... Again, getting stuff back, working in the right direction. Um, this was Kelleher. I think this was his first return after a pretty gnarly neck injury. Uh, no, no, he's been he's been back for a bit. 
But I know he had neck surgery. Um, and you know what? In fairness to Kelleher, like, he acquitted himself well. Like, this wasn't a long fight, but it's not like... It's not like Garbrandt got out of this one unscathed, so... It went kind of as expected is probably the way I would look at it. Um, okay, women's flyweight next. Ariane Lipsky defeated Casey O'Neill via armbar, 118 of the second. Lipsky really seems to have found herself. Um, O'Neal, she, that last fight, man, she was unbeaten coming into, before she ran into Jennifer Maya. I don't, sometimes when you get that first loss, like, that does something to you. And Roxanne Modafferi, she won the Modafferi fight, but there was some stuff that she, that Modafferi did successfully that a lot of people have picked up on. Um, nice armbar from Lipsky. Nasty. Like, she might have done some damage to the elbow there. Then on the early prelims, Tiger Ulan-Bekov defeats Cody Durden via... Um, it's listed as a face crank. It's Depends on how particular you want to get. I would list this as a choke. It wasn't under the chin, but the met, like what was going on there was not the cranking motion. Like, that's usually to the side. Um, the thing about a good rear naked choke... If you get, like, you can get it over the jaw, but if the motion is still the, like, same compression you would get from a traditional rear naked choke under the chin, you're doing the same thing biomechanically. You're just involving the jaw in compressing into the relevant blood vessels instead of just your arm. Um, Durden fought this as long as he could, man. He fought off some a couple of close choke attempts before this one finally got him. Um, speaking of, again... Some of those up-and-coming flyweights, man. Tiger Ulan-Bekov, he's good. He's kind of long for the weight class. Only lost to Tim Elliott, where Elliott cheated a lot. In the UFC, only lost to Tim Elliott. Um, he's got some good wins. Um, man, someone to pay attention to. Uh, at featherweight, Andre Feely stopped Lucas Almeida with punches, 332 of the first. Nice finish from Feely. Um, Almeida looked, he just looked off. And some, I don't mean like, he, I, sometimes you just have an off night. He looked like he was having an off night. And Feely, he's kind of where he's just going to be at this point. But he can still do some damage. You know, he avoided a losing streak here. What about his first? He's never lost two in a row. Well, sort of he has. He lost to Bryce Mitchell, then had a no contest, then had a loss to Drew Anderson Brito. So sort of he's had a losing streak. Um, depending on, again, depending on how you want to think about that no contest in there. Um, but you avoided one here. He's at this point, you know, he's 30. He's only you might say he's only 33. He's had 34 fights. And he's been in the UFC since for 10 years, since 2000, October of 13. So he's in his 11th. He's just kind of who he is at this point. He has a whopping one instance of back to no two instances of back to back wins in the UFC. I didn't think he won that Dennis Bermudez fight though. Jury and Shaman Marais he won fair and square. But this is just kind of who he is. And. I don't know. That's not... He's good enough to be in the UFC. 
he's going to get some wins there, but this is... I don't mean he should always be, like, second fight on the card. You know, almost curtain-jerking, but... I don't know that he's ever going to be, like, you know... he's. I don't know that he'll main event a lot. Uh, but he's not the worst guy in the world to fill out the roster. And kicking everything off, Shamil Gaziv. Uh, defeated Martin Bidet via TKO, 56 seconds of the second round. Still going to be some gas gas tank issues for Gaziv. He was undefeated coming into this, but if you... You can look up his fight that went the distance, and boy did he get... He was a little bit tired starting the second round. Um, Bidet just... He lost that first round pretty badly. But if he hadn't gotten cut around his left eye, I think he was in a position to start a comeback in that second round. But he did, and he was cognizant of it, and he got hit there again, and he kind of just mentally was done. So, decent enough win for Gazeev. Um, Yeah, decent enough win for him, but, you know, it's low-level heavyweight. You you can try the, the Blitzkrieg attack through the... That'll work through the regional scene, but... Gazeev's gonna run into someone who he can't just bulldoze pretty soon, and that's gonna be an that's gonna be an awkward night for him, is my hunch. I mentioned already your fight of the night, uh, Aldana and Hosa. Look it up. Can't recommend it enough. Great fight. Uh, performances went to Josh Emmett, Ariane Lipsky, and Shamil Gazeev. Garbrandt got a little bit hosed there, being candid. I maybe he makes enough on the contract that they felt okay about that. Um. I might have gone Rachmanov over Lipsky, too, personally. But some of that's just preference. That was it. UFC 296. Um, last thing I want to note. So, seated in the crowd, they were in, again, they did one of the, like, you know, somewhat quarterly press conferences. So we had both Drickus Duplessis and Sean Strickland in proximity to each other. And they were both at the fights. And whoever was responsible for the seating. Now, Daniel Cormier, on commentary, after he was told of the fight between these two, said, I was responsible for the seating. Oops, that's on me. Adding to the list of things that Daniel Cormier is not very good at. Dana White came out at the post-fight presser and said, yeah, that's on me. Which, my hunch is he has technical final say over this. Not he put it together, but he should. But I had final authority, ergo I should have known better. Like I'll take any chance to kind of dump on DC when he's uh, he's just not good at his job. <laughs> I don't like him. <laughs> I don't like him in that role, man. I just don't. Other people do, and you know, fair play, but I don't. So what happened was they were doing the shots of like, hey, who's in the crowd, right? Here's fighters active and inactive that you might know here's some celebrities here's donald trump and at one point we get to hey here's dracus duplessis gonna be fighting for the belt kind of guy you show off when he's cage side for some one of these things and i knew this was going to be a problem because i'm not an idiot so we're looking at ddp and we pull back with the camera two rows that's it not like over, not like two rows away, and then we move left or right a bunch. No, no, no. There's one, there's DDP, one row of people. Specifically, you had like Brandon Moreno, and then Gilbert Burns and his family. 
I, I think that's literally what it was. Or if it wasn't Burns, it was like Pantoja's. Um, I, I don't know, but I think it was Burns. It's been listed that way. And then the very next row, so one row between them, is Sean Strickland. So Strickland gets up and, you know, does whatever people do when they're on camera for this sort of thing. He pointed over his shoulder at DDP and mimed shooting the gun. And you can see DDP jawjacking at him. And I tweeted this. I said, seating these two in such close proximity seems like you're asking for trouble. Literally 40, like literally 40 seconds later, the broadcast says, and we just had a scuffle between Sean Strickland and Drickus Duplessis. I am not a prophet. That anyone could have seen coming a mile away. So we we do have, we have video of it. The camera was right there. Like, they didn't wait. The They weren't broadcasting it, but the camera picked all of this up. So, DDP is still talking. Sean Strickland stands up, turns around, looks at the small children of Gilbert Burns... My hunch is somewhere between the ages of, like, seven and nine in that space. Says, move, please. The children move, and he dives over that row to attack DDP. And they fight, and then security pulls them apart, and Strickland is escorted from the premises because he instigated this. There was no doubt he instigated this. There was not shoving. There was not... No, this was... He saw the path was clear, there was going to be no collateral damage, and he jumped at the man. And commentary did the, well, this is a bad look for the sport thing. Then, after the main event, you aired the footage. Real bad look there. No, this is going to be in your promotional material in two weeks for this fight. Stop with the, the insincerity is what gets me. Like, this wasn't Khabib jumping into Dylan Dennis and nearly causing a riot. That was a real bad look. And more because of what it instigated around it. This is stupid, and I would rather this never happen. But I get a kick out of... So you, you all may not remember this, but you can look this up. Um, former undisputed heavyweight boxing champion of the world, Larry Holmes, had a... Real heated rivalry with at Trevor Burbick, and they had a fight, and it, again wasn't wasn't terribly memorable, but this was heated, and years later they run across each other. I think it's at a boxing event of some kind, and they time has not healed those wounds. They yell at each other. They're separated. And I kid you not, look this up online if you think I'm lying to you. Larry Holmes climbs onto a car. It's parked. Runs across it to deliver like a flying Bronco Buster or a seated Centon to Trevor Burbick. Runs across this car and tries to like dropkick him. I laugh at that. It's hilarious and kind of awesome. So when Sean Strickland clears the way of innocent bystanders and then jumps at Drickus Duplessis, I'm not Marlon... Dude, you can see Marlon Vera, Cheeto, arms in the air, doing the almost doing the just bleed thing. Just, yes! Yes! Um, Volkanovsky was right around there. I think he had to stand on a chair to get a good look, and I don't say that because he's short. I think he literally had to. And I love Volkanovsky. I'm just not going to sit up here 
and again sort of pretend that this is... Oh, this is the worst thing in the world. I'd rather it not happen. I think it's stupid. It's real easy not to get into a fistfight with someone when you're four weeks away from getting paid to get into a fistfight with them. But I'm not Sean Strickland. I'm not Dricus Duplessis. And I'm just... Again, I'm not going to get up in arms. Like, the stuff Conor McGregor did throwing a dolly at a bus and legitimately injuring other fighters, that annoys me more. This... You asked for trouble putting these two... These two guys, are, they don't play, man. Some fighters, when they say, I don't like them and I'll punch them, they're just kind of saying it. These guys, no. They're not going to... No. You should have known better. So, yeah, that happened. Yeah. Anyway, full report, MMAZone411mania.com. Stop by, give it a read. I appreciate it. Again, it's our last one of the year. All right, uh, let's move on. Again, we don't have a lot of news. Um, let me just do this, and we'll be pretty quick here. So the UFC did announce some fights, mostly related to UFC 299, which they fleshed out. Um, 299, of course, will be March 9th. That's Mar- That's the rematch between Sean O'Malley and Marlon Vera. Um, flushing out that card, we now have... Um, because we can't ha- we can't get too excited, we have a Caitlin Chukagian fight. She's taking on Macy Barber, don't care. Curtis Blades and Jailton Almeida, good fight. That was supposed to happen earlier. Curious about it. Um, Mateusz Gamrod and Rafael Dos Santos. Man, RDA... Probably going to lose that fight, but let's all take us. We all need to stand and salute Rafael Dos Anjos. That man is a forgotten great in this sport. He is a legend. He has been in the trenches forever. Former champion. He does not get enough respect. He really doesn't. Also on that card, um, we got Pedro Munoz and Kyler Phillips. That's fine. Michael Venom Page, the Bellator guy who wasted like eight years of his life fighting cans. Will make his UFC debut against Kevin Holland. Rebooked Piotr Jan and Song Yudong. Great fight. Um, Ian Machado, Gary, and Jeff Neal. We are not remaking uh, Gary and Luke, apparently. Sucks for Luke. And great welterweight fight. Gilbert Burns and Jack Della Maddalena. JDM getting a big test here in Gilbert Burns. Great fight. So, 299. They, with what they've got announced, we don't have a full bout order. You could craft a heck of a pay-per-view card out of those fights. Um, I mean that. So that's good. Announce anything else for two eight? Do we announce anything else for two ninety eight? Yeah, they announced Tai Tuivasa and Marching Tabora for two ninety eight. I don't care. Uh, other than that, two ninety eight looks pretty set. How many fights we got there? Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Only nine. We'll probably get like three more fights added to that, but. Uh, I don't imagine main card fair. They're probably going to throw... Dude, so that's Volkanovski and Taporia in your main event. Great fight. We've also got Marab really and Henry Cejudo. That's probably your co-main. They'll probably just throw Tai Tuivasa and Tabora and we- as well as um, Rogerio de Lima and Justin Toff onto the main card because screw me. That f- <sighs> Anthony Hernandez and Nick Ramoskarov's a good fight. That card needs a little bolstering. Like, whatever whatever three fights they get there, they need something with some meat on the bone for that card. It could use a little bit of help. Some good stuff there, but it could use a little help. 
And 297 at this point is set in stone, more or less. Um, Strickland and Duplessis. Pennington and Buena Silva for the vacant bantamweight belt. No one cares. Magni and Mike Malott. Dominic Reyes. Dominic Reyes might be at his last stand. Evloyev and Allen is good. Yeah, again, full previews for all of these when they come up. Um, yeah, I think that was it. Um, oh, wait. Did they announce... Okay, they really fleshed out a fight night. Um, fight night, UFC on ESPN plus 93. This will be February 3rd. Um, yeah, main event, Roman Delidze and Nasruddin Imovov. I'm not the biggest fan of that. It's one of those cards. Um, Mahmoud Muradov on that card. I like him. He needs to get back on track, though. I'm not going to complain about Hanato Moicano and Drew Dober. I'm not going to complain about Nate Manus and Azat Maxim. Kind of like Maxim. And now the wheel, they're try, man, they are trying with Melsic Bogdasari, and they're giving him another very winnable fight. Thought he'd passed the point when they were playing kind of, kind of pussyfoot with him, but well, here we are. You know, like the, he's fighting another guy without a without a Wikipedia entry. The only guy with a wiki entry that he's fought in the UFC beat him. But hey, we're trying to build him back up because reasons. No idea. Um, Dana White indicated that he is very... Sorry, back on this one real fast. Muradov's fighting Aliskab Kizriev. Ooh, that's that's actually a pretty good fight. Yeah, I, I like Muradov, but... He hit kind of a wall. He bounced back against Brian Barbarina, but... Dude, losing to Mirshart that way was not great. And then and Kyle Bahalio's good, so I'm not going to hold that one too much against him. Still, he, he's still kind of rebuilding, and he's been... He fought in July, but yeah, it's a bit of a layoff. And also on that card, again, I mentioned already, um, Hanato Moicano and Drew Dober, that's got some fireworks. So you could cut... You could, there's a few fights there. There's a few. But there's a lot... Boy, we're going to be slogging through a lot of that one, though. Yay, Molly McCann and Deanna Belbicha. Ugh. But that one got... Uh, did they flush out Hermanson and Pfeiffer, too? Yeah, so this is UFC on ESPN Plus 94. We got... Uh, Hermanson and Pfeiffer, your main event. Loma Lukbunmi and Bruno Brazil might be fun. Ah, sorry. Even if it doesn't matter that much. Um, Adolfo Vieira and Armin Petrosian. That's tough for both guys. That could be tough for either guy. Um, Gregory Rodriguez and Brad Tavares. That'll be fun. That'll be a fun one. Uh, I could get behind Dan Ige and Lerone Murphy, too. So, we're starting to populate these upcoming fights, so I imagine that'll be a decent amount of stuff in the next week that's all about, you know, populating some of these other cards. Um... Yeah, that's that's all I've got for news. Tell you what, let me check Twitter real fast. If not, I'm going to briefly reminisce about 2023 and we'll get out of here. No, nope, nothing crazy. So, if you'll indulge me briefly, everyone. 2023 in the MMA space has been a very weird year. It began with news breaking uh, and video of... Dana White slapping his wife and forever coloring himself with the title of spousal abuser. 
Granted, if you were to call him that now, he'd be royally pissed by claiming that his only deserved punishment for this infraction of all things good and decent in the world was to be labeled as such. But God forbid you actually label him as such, you will be penalized. I'm sure of it. And 2023 really started to pull back the sort of whatever glossy veneer MMA had on it. We were treated to a lot of information about fighter pay that disclosed how profoundly unequal it is. I'm, hey, this is coming from the capitalist, all right? And I am. It doesn't mean I want management exploiting labor for their, to get their goals. A good free market does not allow that because the workers don't have to take it. So it also does involve to a certain degree government oversight to make sure that certain certain laws and certain other things are upheld and I'm, but if you've gone so far to screwing over the people that matter most in this equation that even about the avowed free marketers are kind of going, you know, that ain't good because you're not actually working in a free market. Um, that, that soured a lot of people. That soured a lot of people. There's been some very weird matchmaking decisions. For crying out loud, we just saw one with Colby Covington getting a title shot. Um... Elements of how the UFC have managed this year have not really fed into fan interest. Now, there have been some good hits. There have been some very good fights. But then you had Power Slap and the UFC's insistence on, or certain people within the UFC's insistence on using their position in that successful company to try and platform freaking power slap. I feel so bad whenever the commentary has to read that ad. I don't know who's paying for that. Are they paying for it? They better. Because Dana White owns power slap. Is he paying for this or is he just going, I have executive privilege? And power slap really did. If power slap just existed... Like, slap fighting's been a thing for a while. We all kind of ignore it. But its association with the UFC. Boy, is that soured people, too. You lost the best heavyweight in the world. You proceeded... Everybody and their dog who was insulting Francis Ngannou's decision-making capabilities. Meanwhile, that man's laughing all the way to the bank with $20 million. He was never going to make that at least 20. Like, never going to make that in the UFC. Never. And turned in a commendable boxing performance against the lineal heavyweight champion of the world, and he's the WBC champion, I think. Turned in a somewhat admirable performance. 
Had all the MMA guys going, he was robbed. He wasn't robbed. He overperformed. He wasn't robbed. I, Sorry, I scored that fight for Fury. I don't mean that Ngannou, Ngannou did not embarrass himself, but this year has been, for all the success in certain areas, this has kind of been a sour one for MMA, has it not? Maybe I'm being too dramatic here. But that's kind of my read on it. You had bad, he- you had a lot of bad headlines. You had a lot of questionable matchmaking. You had association with things that you didn't want association with. You've had a handful of press conferences, and not just the one for two, not just the most recent one, man. You've had a lot of fighters saying a lot of things, and you know what? I blame the UFC for this. Here's why. The UFC has been allergic to legitimate journalism. They don't like it. For a lot of reasons. Some understandable, some not. Some fair, some not. But they don't like it. They started removing legitimate media members who would ask legitimate questions, who would probe legitimate things in favor of pep rallies and influencer media that is designed to generate clicks, that is designed to generate traffic. And when you, fighters are inclined to do that anyway, most of them, when you start incentivizing that behavior and encouraging it with the sort of people you have asking questions, what do you expect? This is entirely foreseeable. But you all, everyone thinks they're happier with this. I'm not going to throw Brett Okamoto under the bus here, but I need to point this out. He, in the wake of what Colby Covington said about Leon Edwards' father, he wrote a piece for ESPN trying to paint Colby in a slightly more sympathetic light, and it featured a quote from Colby's dad that was, you're about to go into a cage in your underwear and try to take someone else's brain cells. I don't really, like, who cares if you say mean words? And I saw a lot of people do the, you know, pretending that all of combat sports are gutter attractions isn't the flex you think it is. It kind of is. You're the one with the delusion about this. Most of us are clear-eyed about this. Maybe not as many as should be, but a lot of us. I'm not under any illusion here. I'm probably going to watch someone die at some point. Let that sink in. There's so many of these people who just... They didn't come to MMA from other combat sports. Not really. They're not... And it's starting to show. That is starting to show. I... But... The point there is, it feels like ESPN and the UFC in general have a vested interest in perpetuating the narrative that be loud, sell your fight so we don't have to, and you'll be rewarded. It doesn't matter how untrue that is. That's the narrative they want out there because it perpetuates the notion that you as a fighter have some agency over these things when you don't. Or, you know, these kinds of things do draw traffic, and hey, that's king, right? 
The more people that visit, the more ads we sell. Get an ad blocker, people. Make your life a lot easier on the internet, which is just a garish assault on your senses of billboards and products. Ad blocker makes your life so much easier. And that's just kind of the UFC in 2023, ultimately, I think. Trying to perpetuate narratives when they've stopped being true. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just too jaded. We'll have to see what 2024 has in store for us, but I'll be here till I'm not. And until then, I thank you all very, very much for listening. All right. Um, let's do plugs, shall we? So, Tuesday, Mark Radulich, myself, Alexis Haina, and I believe Zachary Strobel. Um, did he opt out of this one? I think he did. I don't know. He He's a little bit of a question mark, but myself, Mark, and Alexis will be, at a minimum, will be reviewing Wonka. Starring Timothy Chalamet and Hugh Grant, who makes everything worse. The general response to it I've seen thus far is a sort of polite meh. Um, again, I haven't seen it yet. I will watch it before I review it, naturally. So tune in for that Tuesday at 7, scheduling conflicts. Um, last week, myself and Mark got together on Damn You Hollywood to review Ridley Scott's Napoleon, which was kind of a mess. I don't. Ridley Scott has lost the plot. For a guy who has given us, in some respects, so many profoundly iconic films, boy, does he have more misses than hits. Um, Napoleon again, kind of a mess. But listen to our review. Get the full get the full details on it. And this Saturday, there's no UFC event on the 23rd. However, there is a boxing event from Riyadh. Um, I believe it's headlined by Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder. Nope, sorry, they're not fighting each other. So, let me double check this. Yeah, we've got um, Deontay Wilder versus Joseph Parker. And Anthony Joshua versus Otto Valin. Dimitri Bivol versus Lyndon Arthur. Um, and then a few... Other, I'm going to be covering the whole thing with Mark, is the long and the short of that. Um, which means I really am probably going to wind up having to do some mild bits of tape study on this. Um, this is largely a waste of time, and there, we better hope that nothing weird happens to um, either Joshua or Wilder, because rumor has it they're trying to set up a fight between the two. But if something goes wrong, well, that might go up in smoke. Um, anyway, I'll be covering that with Mark because Mark is my friend and he asked me and I should have said no, <laughs> but I, Mark's my best friend. So I will, I will put on a brave face and hopefully have some fun with some good fights because I like boxing. Um, but that's what I've got coming up. And again, unless something really major and really crazy happens in the world of MMA, this is the end for 2023 for us. Be back 20, uh, December 8th, 2024, and we will get the new year rolling. So until then, 
Thank you all very, very much for the support. Thank you for the year, the successes that I've had, the hardships. It's all been, I like to think it's all worth it. If not, I have to start working to make it worth it. It's kind of the long and the short of that. So, thank you. Merry Christmas. Enjoy the holiday season. Stay safe out there. And continue to be well, be safe, and behave.